And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello, and welcome to P.S. I Love Rom-coms, the podcast that both Queen and a skeleton could enjoy. Why is why is that, Mia? Because <laughs> they're both looking for somebody to love. Oh, <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm hi. We're your hosts. I'm Mia. And I'm Allie. Every week here on PSI Love Rom-Coms, Mia and I, rom-com aficionados, watch a new rom-com, slice and dice a sacrifice, and paint a quick <laughs> pentagram and ask the demons of the nine circles of hell, hey guys, which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time? <laughs> they haven't come to a conclusion yet, and neither have we. But since it's October and Halloween is fast approaching, we will be going one genre deeper this month and taking on the rare hybrid of rom-com horror films. Ooh, Ooh, spooky. spooky. <laughs> Um, joining us today is a very talented comedian who hosts a weekly Top Chef talk show for charity called Talk Chef. And if she was in a rom-com, she'd be a baker who lost her bakery and lust for life only to get a second chance to prove herself when her friend asks her to be the maid of honor for her wedding. It's the one and only Jordan Myrick. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, I'm excited to be scared and fall in love. <laughs> oh my god it is that time of year oh yes well now jordan we like to start off each episode with a little segment called which rom-com hero slash heroine are you channeling where we equate the experiences we've had this week with the famous rom-com hero or heroine um and i'll start us off um this week uh, I think I'm channeling Katie from Mean Girls, played by Lindsay Lohan, um, just because I, I, uh, I found, I was going, I was cleaning out my bathroom and I found this old, like, Bath and Body Works cucumber melon body mist spray <laughs> that, like, is probably an antique. It's so old. But I, like, <laughs> I like was like, oh wow! I used to love like going to Bath and Body Works with my friends um, in middle school and like buying the scent. And so I like sprayed it, and I was just like taken back to Old Orchard Mall uh, where I used to oh hang out God. with friends and stuff. And fun fact, but Mean Girls was based off of my high school, <gasps> and um, they hang out at Old Orchard in the movie. And so I was like, I feel like. I'm back. Like I'm literally like right back there amongst kind of like my girl squad and like at the mall. Um, so I kind of went on a, a, a scent journey uh, this week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That would be pink sugar for me would be the, the scent <gasps> that would take me back to the mall. <laughs> oh, not a warm oh. sugar, a pink sugar no, lady? No, it's a perfume that smells like very distinctly of cotton candy and everybody had it. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Wow. It's so disgusting to think about oh. now, but we all smelled like cotton. I mean, it's like nice, but obviously gross. Wow. I didn't know. I never really did sense as a child. So when you say like a mall, <laughs> a smell that takes you back to the mall, for me, it's a, a an Aunt Annie's pretzel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, also, uh, Miss Fields cookies. Oh, good. Um, but that's um, who I'm channeling this week. Mia, who are you channeling? Um, this week I'm channeling the character of Mary from the wedding planner. She is a, um, she's a micromanaging wedding planner. And I, um, as you all know, I'm a new puppy mother. New pu- I mean, that's a horrible way to phrase it. I have, I'm, I'm a human to a, to a puppy. So <laughs> I'm not a mother. I don't think I'm a mother, but, um, <laughs> I might be like one. And, um, so I'm channeling her because I've been like really like, um, sort of like type A about my like puppy training where it's like we're in a class. I have like a treat pouch and a clicker and like we're like on a routine and I've been feeling like really good about it. And like people are making fun of me because they're like, oh my God, you're like micromanaging your dog. And I'm like, yeah, but I, we're killing it. And it's been like, uh, and he's been doing like really great. He's really smart. But um, then I took him to um, a socialization class as you have to do during quarantine. Uh, just I mean, You don't have to, but it's helpful. So I dropped him off and it's like really cute. It's like you all wait in line with your puppies and then you like drop them off one by one. And then they all are like in a room with two dog trainers and they play and they like, re- they give you like a report card of like what's going on with your dog. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Except I'm like the part of the movie where it's like, she's super controlling, but everything's like spinning out of control because my dog, they're like, okay, Doug is, he has no issues with confidence with humans or other dogs, but um, his issues are um, separation anxiety. Because oh. I came to the window at one point to watch and he left all of the other dogs and just came to the window and started crying. And they were like waving at me to go away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like such a task and he's doing so great and I know we will be fine. But I am like, now I'm like in like panic mode over like, how will I get my dog to be independent and um, not want to be with me all the time um but um he's currently here with me right now but it's very sweet <laughs> sleeping so um Do yeah they, so i'm feeling oh, sorry oh i just i i'm so sorry i i just no, have a, a quick question do they give you an actual like little report card where they like yeah. put little grades and stuff. Um, they they do it in a way, sort of like uh, sort of like a young like liberal um elementary school, where there's like stages that your puppy will go through, and they let you know which stages he has gone through. So stages like one through six, and you're supposed to progress. So Doug. Um, had stages two and three he went through which were um like one is that it's like you ignore the other puppies and you just just want to play with the humans and then um which he did and then stage three is like you're it's the, called the sneaky sniffer where you um he like goes up to sneak sneak up to the puppies and smells them but then when they notice he like runs away um so he yeah so he's doing that and so yeah so they gave me feedback on that and then that i need to work on um um, some separation anxiety training and then he also made a friend in line and they hung out together I think they have the same problems uh, it's a miniature beagle named Whiskey um, <laughs> oh my god uh. <laughs> and Whiskey's mom after was like I saw she's new, she's from New Zealand so I'm, I'm gonna try do I yeah, yeah I'll try, I'll try she was like <laughs> she was like it's so cute no that's British <laughs> okay I'm not gonna try I'm not gonna butcher her, her beautiful accent but she was like so she like told me she was like oh my god I saw them like off to the side playing together um and then I felt like we were excluding one of the other moms so it was like full mother mode um <sighs> okay so that's who I'm channeling this week. <laughs> um Jordan who are you channeling 
You know, I would say that I'm channeling Tanya from Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia Here We Go Again, played by Christine Baranski. Um, she is not a main character. She's just sensationally horny and along for the ride. And I would say that feels very relatable to me this week. I, you know, I do, with everything going on in the world, I do not feel like I am the main character in this narrative. And I do feel like this week I have reached um, kind of an incredible acceptance of quarantine I'm kind of just like okay maybe this is how it is forever and (laughs) you know I've accepted that I've adjusted to it and if it's not like this forever then that's a fun surprise and then I too am sensationally horny so I am deeply connecting with her I also think Christine Bransky is very hot so I like want to associate myself with her in any way I can she is so hot just her in the Grinch I think about oh my god oh my yeah the outfit she wears uh yeah and when she sits on that machine where she shoots lights all over the house I remember watching that as a child and being like damn I'm horny oh my god and like what a sneaky good career she's had yes you know like she's probably like not bothered by people in the streets but like she's like a huge success yeah she was on the good wife she was on the good wife she was on just shoot me which was a tv show in like i want to say like the late 90s early 2000s um about a fashion magazine and she's also a big um like dog adoption and animal rights advocate oh my god i didn't know that i Mm -hmm. love her she's incredible Uh, incredible great great pick thank you speaking Mm. of amanda seafried i think that's (gasps) a Pretty good little transition (laughs) into our movie that we watched this week, where she took on a very different role. Um, So this week, we watched the 2009 teen horror rom-com, Jennifer's Body. Uh, In this film, two high school besties, the nerdy needy, played by Amanda Seyfried, and the popular cheerleader, Jennifer, played by Megan Fox, go to an indie rock concert at a local bar. However, when Jennifer ditches Needy to go off with the indie band, she finds out that they're Satanists who plan to use her as a virgin sacrifice to help with their album sales. The ritual goes awry when Jennifer, who is not a virgin, instead turns into a demon. To stay alive, Jennifer consumes the flesh of boys at her high school and Needy must confront her complex feelings for Jennifer to stop her. Jennifer's Body was written by Diablo Cody and directed by Karen Kusama. Although the film was driven by a female creative team, the male-focused marketing of the film led to false expectations and mixed reviews. The film initially received lukewarm box office status, but over time it has seen a resurgence in interest and has now reached a new cult status within the horror genre. So, oh my gosh. You guys, (laughs) what did you think of the film and was it any of our first time seeing it? Not mine. <laughs> not mine. And not mine. And not mine. Wow. Oh my okay. god. Wow. Fantastic. Okay. I love this movie, obviously. I I think it's so great. I think it's very queer. I think it's very scary. And I I think Megan Fox is so unbelievably underrated. Yes. It's, it's criminal. Yeah, I I fully agree. And I read like digging into the backstory of this film, I became like really like anxious and angry because I think like hearing a lot from like Diablo Cody and Karen Kusama is that like they were like felt hurt that because of the marketing, like they felt like they didn't reach the female audience they wanted to reach. And I saw this in theaters with two female friends when I was in high school 
And the theater was like us three and then one middle-aged man. And that was the whole theater. And I think that's like sort of perfectly like represents like what was wrong with the marketing. <laughs> it was like, yeah. and, um, but I remember watching that movie and being like so inspired and being like, this is so like feeling like it really spoke to me. And so I'm like so bummed because I'm like, I know, like, I'm like, you guys reached me. Like I was your audience and I, ca- I came um, and I got it. And I think. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other people did at the time, but I, I was so sad that like, even now they were like, Oh, we just like missed our audience. And I'm like, I know I, if, if it wasn't like a huge response, it, it still was like a really important film for me as a like girl in high school. Yeah. I I'll be honest. The first time I saw this movie was at like, um, a college party. It was in the background and <laughs> I, my expectations for it were like really low. I was just because like from what I knew about it, I was like, oh, it's like ugh, a move. Even like I, what I remember from the marketing is I remember the title, Jennifer's Body, where I was like, oh, it's going to be some kind of like they're going to objectify, you know, mm-hmm. um, Megan Fox's body. I'm sure there's like going to be a lot of nudity in it. And I remember the trailer of her like swimming naked in a lake. And I was always yeah. like, I roll. Um, and <laughs> Uh, and then I remember seeing like snippets of it because I was at, I'll be honest, I was at a party. So I was like half watching it and half, you know, trying to get some. And I, <laughs> I remember thinking, whoa, wait, this movie's really funny. It's so, so good. And then rewatching it and giving it my full attention this time. Yeah, I guess I was just, I was, I was just so shocked at kind of like the beauty and also, um, you know, ugliness of this female friendship. And I should say the complexity of this female friendship and Mm -hmm. how it was so refreshing that it was, it was about these two women. And it did show that kind of, um, this strange kind of like jealousy that I think exists with a lot of female friendships. And it's like jealousy that comes from like, both like admiration, um, and like attraction, but also like, yeah, I don't know, and and um, like ego, and like sort of but also st- ego, yeah, yeah, and also like in context of the patriarchy a bit, where yeah. it's like, yeah, like who is like ahead in value in that value system? Yeah, yeah. I think especially when you're questioning your sexuality, I think it's mm-hmm. very um, confusing, especially if you're trying to cover that up of be like, okay, yeah. well, how much do I have to perform? How much do I let myself connect with someone of the same gender identity as me? things like that, which I feel like this movie kind of addresses, which I really like. But also something I thought was really interesting that you were bringing up was them talking about the marketing. And something I read recently was how Megan Fox didn't speak out during the Me Too movement because she was like, I know people's perception of me. And even though these things happen to me and I've been talking about them for years, people don't take me seriously. And I want this movement to be taken seriously. So I'm not going to attach myself to it. And I thought that was so, so, so interesting and also like unfair and like deeply thoughtful in a way that she shouldn't have to be. But it makes me wonder of like, well, what was it even the marketing or was it just the fact that people had written Megan Fox off in this really terrible way? That is so fascinating because I think it's certainly a combination of the two. Sure. Because I remember at the time, Allie also, I went to it thinking I was going to see like a lusty 
kind of dumb movie, you know. But I honestly like, in, I was kind, I was kind of like pumped for that. I was like, okay, cool, I'm gonna go watch, I'm gonna go watch like a Megan Fox Amanda Seyfried makeout. And then, um, and then what I what I found was like a much much more layered film that is one of my favorite genres to this day. But I will say, in a way that I think is not at all the fault of Megan Fox, but the fault of the media and how they, she was treated at that time, yes. is that I think the culmination of like the way the like that Fox misunderstood the film and tried to market it towards male teenage fans of Megan Fox and the fact that the media, I guess at the same time, I think this is when the media had like turned on Megan Fox for speaking out against Michael Bay. Maybe it was people were already, I think she was already experiencing that like rise and fall Mm -hmm. that happens to young hot women in Hollywood. So I think she was on the fall. So I think it was a combination of both, but I do think like to no fault of her own, her being in the movie, like, yeah, I do think affected the success, but I think I agree with you, Jordan, where I think her performance is fantastic in this. Yes. She was so, I mean, yeah, I quick sidebar. I, her performance was so incredible. She like, at times she like, she has this like innocence in like the, in kind of like the first big, like inciting incident of the movie. Um, oh my God. Needy and Jennifer go to this um, indie concert um, for a band called Low Shoulder uh, <laughs> uh, starring um, um, Adam Brody as the lead singer. And um, in it, like, she, you, I totally buy her as like a small town girl looking up to this kind of lame indie band. And yes. she has such an innocence in her eyes and such like, uh, and then she goes from that to a like very like, she goes from an innocent girl to playing like a very like, you know, in charge kind of like sexy demon, uh, like woman and like the transformation and like the way she acts, you know, towards needy versus like the way she acts towards men is so interesting because like Mm -hmm. you see kind of like who she like really is when she's with needy but then like when she's with you know these men that she's going to consume you see her kind of like almost play the part of sexy demon woman and like the male fantasy of how she how men see her but not who she really is um Oh, went out a little tangent yeah. there. Uh- <laughs> no, no, Allie. No, I, I think that's such an interesting avenue because I think this film has, like, the, when I was watching it, I was like, um, couldn't even, I was like, there's so many things happening in this film that I like that it's like where to even begin. Yeah. But yeah, what you're saying about that switch, I think it's so interesting. And then when she is like... um eating these men right it's like she's like yeah she she is the villain of the film but there are also these like very subtle criticisms of um these certain like male characters that Mm. are so interesting and it starts with the indie band where um it's like adam brody's character like when when they're in the van and he's like oh you don't have to talk if you don't want to and he's like this is why i hate girls and um sort of it's like, it, i don't know that that to me was like this like visceral maleness that i do remember it's like that's a caricature of it but i remember that like that yes. type of vibe from yeah, especially from that time like period mean for no like where it's just like why are you being mean it's the only way i can describe it like when he says to her my roommate and i've been saying that to each other all day because we watched the movie again last night <laughs> that thing of like when she says something and he's like 
you don't have to talk if you don't want to. Yeah. It's like so passive aggressive yeah. and, yeah. and bizarre. Dismissive. And it's like purely mean. There's no other way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's something that I remember a much more subtle version of that being very present with men at my high school towards women. And then the second one that stood out to me, just because it was so small but so interesting, is Colin, the like sort of like punk goth kid. It's like when she's like going to kill him and he's really scared and she's like, oh, I thought, like, aren't you into this shit? And she's sort of like, I thought that was like cooler than it had to be where she's like, like she's, she's the villain. She's like, killing him and we don't want that to happen but at the same time she's sort of like criticizing the person he's pretending to be and i thought yeah. i don't know i thought I, yeah i thought it was i thought it was cool i thought what they, what they were there was a lot happening and i thought it was really nuanced and interesting yeah i think why we feel you know i mean why i even though megan fox's character jennifer is the villain i think why we also like her is because it's a revenge fantasy movie like yes. She's being sacrificed, but it also, there's like this, um, you know, the inciting incident of the movie is like this indie band kidnaps her to sacrifice her so that their (laughs) album sales will be better. And there's just like a crazy metaphor in there as well, which is like, oh, men using women to, and then like literally using them and tossing them aside to help them on their own financial success. Um, yeah. and so like, there's like that kind of like metaphor there, which quick sidebar is like, is really relatable to what happened to Megan Fox's career. Okay. And back. No, that was a <laughs> good back. side. That was a good bobble. That was a good, yeah. uh, that was a good little, um, bubble uh, in, bubble. <laughs> bubble in, bubble. but, um, it, it was a sacrifice, but it also kind of felt like a sexual assault or yes. like she was being raped. Um, and the kind of like, cavalier attitude they had during it they're like making jokes and they're singing you oh my know, god that song eight six seven five three oh nine and yeah it makes it so much darker and and also real that men would just laugh at a, a woman's pain i remember during christine ford's testimony she talked about while she was being assaulted that she remembers men laughing in the room and it's yeah. like it's a pain that like women, a lot of women recognize. And so I think that's why this movie is so satisfying. We can be so on board with Megan Fox eating all these dudes and literally scooping up blood from their stomach and lapping it like a little cat <laughs> and being like, oh, uh, there's something like um, cathartic about it. Absolutely. I think no. I think I'm like, are there any good men in this movie? Like maybe J.K. Simmons? Oh, yeah, definitely J.K. <laughs> Which, yeah, oh my, right? yeah and yeah because i think even chip I, well chip, i think chip is sort chip. of yeah because yeah. here's the thing i was in, in in line with like the colin thing there's a moment when chip's having sex with needy yes. and he's having that fantasy and he's afraid he's hurting her but then he sort of like sort of pre, like kind of smugly and sweetly but still smugly goes am i too big and it's like he would be thrilled that if he his dick was too big that he was hurting her and it was like just a flash of it. And I know it's like a funny joke, but it was also like, I think this is a criticism of him too. Yes, absolutely. Which like, why would you ever want, like, why would you want that? Why would you want your penis to be so big that it hurts someone else? And that that's appealing to you in a way because it matters to have a big dick. It's like, who care <laughs> yeah yeah and in that way it the movie kind of remind i i i don't 
I blocked some of this movie out. <laughs> I was freaking out when I watched it, but I do love the horror movie Teeth. Yes. So it reminded me of Teeth a lot in that way, in that way where it's like, this is like a woman who has teeth in her vagina and is constantly like being assailed by and assaulted by horrible men and cutting off their dicks. Um, so I remember having the same like kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm into this. Yeah, I wish we had gotten a little more revenge on the band. Yes, yeah, uh, which we finally. Am I allowed to? Do we do spoilers? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we love spoilers. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> yes. Which, like, we see at the end of the movie that there that Needy gets revenge on the band um mm. during the credits it's not even yeah. part of the movie which i think is sometimes i think is cool and sometimes i wish we had more during the movie because it does feel a little bit um anticlimactic if we don't see any of it oh i fully I agree, agree. Yeah. yeah where the first time i thought it was unsatisfying and then because I, yeah i've seen it like i think i've seen this movie like maybe four times and yeah the first time i saw it i was like that is a cop out. I don't like that. But then this time I watched it and the way it was shot in the credits, I was like, oh, this is cool. But I, I agree. I think like there are certain things in the movie I would have liked to see set up more and paid off more. And that is one that to, it, to see Jennifer take revenge on the band is like, it's what we all connect yeah. with. And, you know, in the film is like, you know, Ali, what you were saying is like, this clearly feels like a metaphor for sexual assault. Them singing 8675309 is like one of the scariest moments in the movie to me because yeah. it is re- it feels real yeah in a way and so yeah seeing that revenge i think would have been yeah I, I do always feel a bit let down by not getting to like have that be part of the actual film and they set it up like when they came to the prom i was like <laughs> oh yeah like yes she, she jennifer's definitely gonna kill them at the prom or maybe needy's gonna kill them at the prom um but that didn't happen and i was like Oh, well, I felt like that was a missed opportunity there. You're so right. Because that could have been a really great, like, kind of final scene. Maybe we could even see something about Needy and Jennifer's relationship seemed, like, unfinished to me. And maybe this is because I like rom-coms and not, you know, (laughs) horror films as much. But I wanted to see them. I don't know. It seems like they ended their friendship on a fight. So, like, the end of the movie... Um, Jennifer's been killing all these guys and Needy's the only one that puts the pieces together, especially after Jennifer comes to her bedroom and tells her like, Hey, I was, um, sacrificed by these guys and I came back as a demon. And then Needy realizes she's the only one that could stop Jennifer from killing all of these boys in their high school. And then, and then they have this scene in this pool house where, um, uh, where Needy, you know, confronts Jennifer, who's eating her boyfriend, Chip. <laughs> I love this movie. Um, and, um, uh, and they just kind of fight. And then, and, and Jennifer escapes. And then and Needy comes back and, you know, stabs Jennifer in the heart in her bedroom. But they kind of have a conversation. But I, I guess I just wish that they would have, I don't know, told each other that they loved each other. Um, my, my only thought on that and this directly contradicts what I said a second ago is that and this is why I go back and forth with it is because part of me is like okay I get why they don't kill the band until the credits because it's like that doesn't matter right that's this is a movie about female friendship 
Yeah. This mm-hmm. is like a the rom-com is between Jennifer and Needy. So the fact that even though they're part of the plot and they're integral to the plot, they are not the main characters. So yeah, I think yeah. the fact that we don't even deal with them until the credits in some way like takes a, away a little bit of their power of like, yeah, you're not like the entree, you're an afterthought. that's a really good point I think that's cool and then also in terms of them ending on a fight I think it's like to me it feels very real to female friendships because I think what we all want especially in high school is to have these close friendships and to have them work out like magically and be perfect and we can't like have a female friendship unless it's you know you're either best friends or you're enemies in high school right like Mm -hmm. it's so hard to find a middle ground until you get a little bit older and I think that this really speaks to that it's like neither one of them got the closure neither one of them had the friendship they wanted it was still special and it affected both of them deeply deeply in positive and negative ways, but it didn't end in a clean, concise way. And I think that's so true to a lot of female friendships. So that kind of spoke to me in a way. Yeah, I agree. And especially when there is potentially attraction involved, because it is this feels representative of female teenagers, specifically at that time. I don't know female. I don't know a lot of female teenagers right now. Um, (laughs) I hope things are better. (laughs) I hope things are better for you. But um, at the time, I remember seeing it and just being like, that was the part, like uh, so much of this movie to me at that age, but certainly like the treatment of men and then the female friendship. I was like, oh, this is speaking to me in a way that most movies do not. For me, what hit, what bumped on the friendship was when the end, when they're like, you were always jealous of me. Like, you always undercut everything I did do. I, th- I feel like we didn't see a lot of that in the beginning. Their blow up, I didn't feel like was quite set up enough where I was like, oh, this kind of yeah. all makes sense. But I would have loved to see like more of the ways in which they were jealous and envious of each other early on. I definitely like it. Was, we definitely saw like a possessiveness in their friendship where like... Jennifer would ask like needy to hang out and you would say like, yes. And, but you're right. Yeah. I didn't feel like on needy's side that she was, you know, undercutting Jennifer's like confidence a whole, whole lot. Um, Same. But yeah. Yeah. I think we could have even seen how, you know, like we talked about with the media, how they have treated Megan Fox. I imagine that's probably similar to how like an issue that needy, and Jennifer would have had. And I think we got some of that in the voiceover, but not mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. much in their actual interaction in terms of her being like, oh, well, you're just like a hot slut, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Also, I thought there was so much like just on like a filmmaking level here that where I I just am like such a lover of like uh, horror comedy and also of Juno, which for the first like, 20, like half an hour I didn't know this was written by the same woman who made Juno and the whole time yeah. I was like this is so much like Juno uh-huh. um, no way was it just the humor yeah. that tipped you off it's it's the humor and it's the like um it is I adore films that have a made-up vocabulary that they all use <laughs> that's like clearly not a real <laughs> vocabulary yes. and the one and I remember Juno being that way where it's like they all um like use words like it's like they're like also like salty is like sort of like popular slang now but like at the this it was not in the way that they're using it it's like no one, not, I, I don't no know no one's ever used salty like that before no no i was gonna say even the way she talked about sex she's like oh you give me such a wetty i'm like oh yeah. my god that's- 
I know. That always, yeah. That was so yeah. funny. <laughs> oh my god. Or she's like, "You're so jello. You're green jello, and you don't even know it." Or like, "What's up, yeah. monostat?" Just like all of these things. It's like nobody says that, but I, for me, I love it because it's like world building, where it's yeah. like you're you're really like putting me in this place. It's movie talk. Like, I love when people yeah. talk. I mean, it's obvious. This movie's not trying to be like mumblecore. There's no like, it's not trying to be realistic. It's like a, it's a horror. It's a teen horror comedy. So I love that they use this like kind of like heightened language. And also like we're talking about earlier, like Megan Fox kind of, not kind of, Megan Fox being I don't know, just kind of like the misogyny she's had to face and people mm-hmm. undervaluing her and her talent. And I feel like that's also happened with Diablo Cody. Yeah. And yes. that like people, I read so many, yeah, I mean, like I read reviews and people are just so mean to her and it, she's so talented and people are just like finding like, and in like reviews, I read a lot of them kind of talked about like, like, oh, like the language, like the way she uses language is so like, weird and like forced and she makes that and like yuck yuck and it's like no that's her style like nobody yeah. ever shits on Wes Anderson for you know creating these very like colorful symmetrical worlds why are we like shitting on Diablo Cody for having a voice um and so yeah. that made me mad <laughs> and realistically Wes Anderson is just doing a more muted Lisa Frank so <laughs> from a woman. Uh, no, I totally agree with you I also remember that Juno had like wild success and then yeah. very quickly became like a joke I remember with people I know where it's like oh are you so indie you're so cool you like Juno or whatever and I was like mm-hmm. wait why that's a good movie why are we not allowed to like that movie yeah. I think similar to Jennifer's Body I mean they both have like problems and are problematic in their own ways of course but I mean like every movie by a man is problematic so I just don't quite understand yeah. <laughs> why we're so mad at Diablo Cody specifically yeah and I I think it has to do with and this is what we see in rom-coms all the time which is that mm-hmm. I think it has to do with um female-centered films created by women <laughs> and I think <laughs> I think those get um like harder scrutiny than than films that are male-centered made by men we, it's like yeah we see like a lot of the rom-coms we love have like horrible reviews I think this in general was like in the 40s for reviews. And I saw a super interesting trend, which was that um, for the time, I think it's like part societal, part like privilege. But also there, I think it's fair to criticize this because I'm like, I... I was there. I I got what was happening, which is that I saw a lot of male reviewers say that this film was like a bad Twilight say that like 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 Roger Ebert gave it a favorable review but I'm quickly beginning to not like him but he called it Twilight for Boys and said as a movie about flesh-eating cheerleader it's better than it has to be and that like makes me angry because then but a lot of female reviewers at the time like totally got it and they were like oh okay so this one reviewer said there's a lot of intelligent camp here and some sharply observed characterizations and Cody and Kusama's depictions of the way in which women like needy are willing to compromise themselves to indulge an ultimately less secure friend is spot on another woman praised it for being luscious powerful sexy scary maddening at times a wicked black comedy with unexpected emotional resonance Uh, Oh, and then another reviewer said it was a fresh spin on a female-centric pop genre, um, but also owns them outright with first-rate performances. And so I'm like watching the way that like it was created by women for women. It was marketed towards men. 
men were like, no, no, we don't like this. And the women were all like, yeah, this speaks to us. We get it. And then it was thought of as a flop. Yeah. Yeah, I also think the Twilight comparison is so stupid. They're not even similar movies at all they're not stylized like nothing about them is similar and it just feels like someone being like what's another movie written by a woman oh yeah you know it'd be like if i watch i don't know die hard and then was like what's another thing written by a man oh the bible or you know it's just like (laughs) yeah it's so it's so reductive and it was like in multiple reviews and I, I get and it's like if I had to say like throw them a bone at all it would be like oh Twilight was probably huge at that moment and like that's true uh, like genre-y but I agree no I totally agree with you that's like me being extremely generous where I'm like <laughs> n- like I think it's just skinny brunettes that are in kind of genre <laughs> movies and people were like this is like <laughs> yeah and i'm and i i'm like pretty like i'm pretty angry about it because i, I connect to how i felt at that age and how i felt oh, like just like that feeling of like when i watched this movie where i was like something is happening in this movie that is important and it's like this movie is discounted and i know that and just like i don't feel that way anymore like i feel i feel like the media landscape has changed in a really positive way. But that feeling of like at that age of being like, I feel like my perspective is not valid. And I'm like yeah. struggling to, to, to uh, decide if that's true or not because society seems to like not value it. But I feel happy that that's different now and that, um, that the film also people are also look back and are like, what were we thinking? This film is dumb. <laughs> Yeah, it's like people did not know what to do about a female friendship movie um, or a movie about female friendship. Like, it's like uh, all the male characters are, I mean, something that like I found, I'm going down another tangent here, something I found, (laughs) but you're right. There's just like so much going on in this movie um, and it's so cool in so many ways and so ahead of its time. Um, But like all of the male characters were literally used as like, tools like they weren't for they were plot devices they weren't important at all like and that was so refreshing because that's how women have been used in horror movies for years for years women have just been like you know most i mean and jordan you're our horror expert here but like in most horror movies it's like oh let's open on like a scene of a woman having you know sex in the woods and she's naked and then um she dies um yeah and, and i don't want to knock that too hard because i like that too <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean we but all just, i mean yeah it's just nice to see the roles reverse and it's like oh jock gets naked in the woods and dies and do we remember his name no he's not important he's just there to die and it's yeah. just nice to see that kind of um uh you know gender reversal or you know just seeing yeah. that, like the guys die for once. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. this movie is much more in line with something like a Get Out, where it's like a total reversal on a lot of tropes that we see in horror movies, where like, you know, typically in horror movies, who dies first? Like the hot woman and the black guy is like, yeah. has always been such a stereotype in horror movies that took so long to change. So I think seeing a movie made by a woman where the women aren't the first people dying and to see a movie made by a black man where black men aren't the first people dying, I think feels really fun and good and exciting because horror is such a fun, powerful genre that should be more open to everyone. Totally. Totally. 
Yeah. And that's, and that's why I think this type of film is so exciting to me because it, it reminded me of like the same energy I get when I watch, like I, I talked about teeth or like assassination nation or, um, final girls, or there's this, um, the other movie I compared this to, cause I think I saw this came out when I was in college, but the to-do list was yeah, like mm-hmm. a rom-com that came out and it was like, yeah, made by women for women and was recentered the sexual female experience. Um, like we reframed like high school sexual experience, like from a woman's perspective. And I remember just like watching it and being like, no one else is doing this. Like, this is the first time I'm seeing this, like in like a chain theater. So seeing that in here, I think is part of, yeah. What makes this film so exciting. Something that I want to quick talk about before we start counting up tropes is I wanted to talk about, the sexy scenes in the movie. Um, (laughs) There are a lot of them. And um, something that I just want to say that I thought was really interesting was that like uh, the, the scene, like the way that they shot needy and chips, you know, kind of sexy scene versus the way they shot, um, needy and Jennifer scene was so interesting and also funny. Um, uh, <laughs> which is like they shot when needy is hooking up with chip, it's like very brightly lit. The camera's very static. It's awkward. It's just like very awkward in the way that it's filmed. And like, even their, the way they kiss is like filmed kind of at like a medium shot and their posture is really awkward. And then you see the way that they like shoot her scene with Jennifer. And like, it's like this very like, well, like moody, it's like lit very like in a moody way. And it's in like a close up where Jennifer and Nene kiss for the first time. And it's like, the shots are more complex. The, the hookup scene is more complex and it's, um, a lot more steamy than the very kind of like awkward needy chip scene, which I thought was just really interesting and good directing. Yeah. I also think too, I noticed that when they're shooting the, uh, the scene with chip and needy, you're either seeing Needy's face or you're seeing Chip's face. We don't, Mm -hmm. to my recollection, see both of their faces in one shot while they're having sex versus when Jennifer and Needy hook up, it's all close-up shots of where you're seeing both of their faces. And I think it kind of symbolized how much more connected they were, how much more together they were, which felt nice to me. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm like so, I mean, I'm calmer now, but I'm like, I'm so sad (laughs) that... Karen Kusama was dragged at the time for people being like, this is exploitative. This is just to get men to watch the film and like be excited. And it, and she was just like, this was for me. She's like, this is what I think is erotic. And like, that's, and that's what I wanted to show. Yeah. And like, and Megan Fox is queer. I think people just forget for so long that they're like anything that like, and I think there were a lot of things that were exploited to, to women and still are, but I think people forget that mm-hmm. like, um, uh, queer women and queer non-binary people are also still horny um, and like want, <laughs> yeah. want to see people be hot and people that they are attracted to being hot with other people that they could like potentially be with in terms of like gender relationships. And I think for so long, it was just like, if anything is sexy involving a woman, that is bad. But I think it's like, well, what more could you ask for than like a queer woman? And I actually don't know where Amanda Seyfried stands on like... This girl. I think she's straight, but I don't know. But I'm like, yeah, what more could you want than a queer woman like having a queer sex scene? That I think that's yeah. cool. Also, how could people say that it was like exploitative when like 
Megan Fox, she kept, both women kept their clothes on for the entire movie. Nothing. Exactly. It was like, there was no, like, I don't, there's no gratuitous, there's nothing that was like gratuitous at all. And yeah. like, when I watch films, I'm, I often think like, oh, would I feel comfortable doing that? And I was like, I would feel com- be comfortable doing anything in this movie. It's not, that, that's like my bar. I mean, uh, probably not a good bar to, uh, but like, <laughs> if I feel comfortable, then it's okay. Um, and it was like, <laughs> the way we got to keep their clothes on. If anything was like exploitative, it was probably the male marketing that like yeah. s- focused that small like chunk of the movie in so many of the trailers and and put like weird stuff around and maybe the way they edited it. But like, it felt right in that part of the movie totally because i remember i remember specifically in the trailer the scene where she's like when needy is like i thought you only ate boys and she says i go both ways or i yeah i go what is she yeah i think she says i go both ways yeah that that was like a joke you know that was like presented as like oh look this is like so funny can you imagine <laughs> can you imagine a bi woman <laughs> and and then in the movie it's like not I don't feel like it's a joke. Like I feel it's like kind of a joke, but it's like feels like it's connected to the the story that is like more about their relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Megan Fox is bisexual. I can't say yes. it enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Shall we jump into counting up some of the rom com tropes that we saw in this movie? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I can start us off. We start off the movie with narration, and there's narration throughout the movie, um, which is a very popular rom-com trope. And then we have childhood flashback to Needy and yes. Jennifer in the sandbox where they're playing. In adult rom-coms, I feel like they usually end in a wedding. And in team rom-coms, I feel like they always end at prom, and this one's no yes. different. We yes, kind of end absolutely. at prom. Okay, I'm going to pitch that Needy's boyfriend, Chip, is good on paper guy. Um, I where, approve. Mm-hmm. I approve. Where, like, he seems like he has everything that a good boyfriend should have. But, you know, at the same time, uh, he doesn't ignite that same kind of spark that Jennifer ignites for Needy. Also, a quick sidebar. I've only seen, like, two movies that are coming to mind where male characters take the time to put on a condom before having sex. And both those mm. movies were directed by women. So I'm just going to yes. say, like, when I see, like, usually, like, male-directed sex scenes, it's, I, there's no condom in sight. Nobody takes the time to put on a condom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just want to say, shout out to um, s- Safe Sex Practices um, in this movie. <laughs> um, Always, yes. Great female directing. Um, that's not a trope, though. Um <laughs> But let's make it one. Let's make it one. Um, there's okay. I have stolen glance at a concert scene. Um, oh, definitely. Because that, that's kind of like, like it. Kind of feels similar to our trope, which is like I fucking on the dance floor, where it's like they, they are. They are or like needy, needy, needy is. is, or they both are, but to different people. I have that kind of like stolen glance. I remember something similar happening in um, the rom-com Something Borrowed as well. There's like that concert scene and there's some nice glancing going on. Um, Oh, uh, surprise. There's a really cool popular band playing at our prom. Um, I feel like like that happens a lot in in rom-coms where it's like, oh, really cool live band. This is a half trope pitch. It's more for like... Mm -hmm teen movies or teen rom-coms but i have like 
really um, overly produced pep rally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never had a pep rally at my high school, or if we did, I didn't go to them. And I don't remember them being that awesome. Um, but so I think are, that's rom-com. Do you think that's like a, that just exists in like rom-com world or like really fun pep rallies? That are heavily attended by students. I, I, it's a, it could be like teen comedy, but I think a lot yeah. of it's rom-coms because I think it is Drive Me Crazy. I think it... You see, A, they have like quite a few pep rallies, I feel like. At least two. I think that counts and we should continue to, to keep an eye out for it. Okay, this is kind of like a horror rom-com uh, trope pitch. But so in these sex scenes, it kind of... And I'm, I'm calling them sex scenes in quotes. When Jennifer hooks up with these different guys... It kind of starts with making out and then it cuts straight to death. Um, usually yes. in rom-coms, oh it cuts God. straight to the next morning. But uh, in these circumstances, it's kind of like making out cuts to um, eating their innards. Yeah, that's that's brilliant, Allie. That's like such a brilliant take yeah. on our cut to the next morning, but cut to death. Thank you so much. Uh, those are okay. So that's my first pass. What did what did you see, Mia? Um, I had okay. This I'm really proud of this that this showed up. Okay, <laughs> I had glasses to contacts because <gasps> you're like, yeah. <laughs> and then in the last scene when she's going to follow the band to kill them, I'm like, how can she see? So she must be wearing contacts. <laughs> And that's like in rom-coms, we see the makeover trope, right? Where it's like, she takes off her glasses and she's hot. And in this one, it's like, she takes off her glasses and she's empowered. So um, we had glasses to contacts. Also, quick sidebar, Amy Sedaris plays her mom in this. I completely forgot. And she's so great. I love that scene. so good. She's so believable as like a mom. I don't know. Like, I've only seen her like, obviously, like at home with, you know, Amy Sedaris and um, um, Strangers in Candy. Candy. Yeah. And seeing her as like a grounded mom, I was like, oh my God, you're fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And what did you, what just like a standout scene when she's talking about like the night terror she had about Needy and like the foreshadowing? Yeah. Um, okay. I had BFF in the Wings, where Needy is the BFF in the Wings for uh, <gasps> Jennifer. Which you're is, so yeah, right. like you're the best friend, but you're waiting in the wings to see if they'll they'll ever pick you. Yes. Um, and then I had okay. This one, tell me if I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, it's kind of a joke. Uh, but I have like skinny woman who eats a lot. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like she's eating boys and he's a demon. <laughs> it's like probably doesn't count. No, but, I, um, I don't know. I would count that. <laughs> <laughs> And then we have, um, this is, a, I think, a horror rom-com drop, which is like, we have a friend who's the cop, you know? Mm. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, your brother's friend is the cop, or you're sleeping with the cop, or, you you know, you've got someone on the force. Also, who who is that but a young, young Chris Pratt? Chris Pratt! Oh, oh my God. God. So crazy. A baby. The, the casting is impeccable in this yes, film. Yes, absolutely. J.K. Simmons, Amy Sedaris, Chris Pratt. Are the are like the really small characters? I mean, so that's that's me, Jordan. Did you see any rom com tropes or any horror tropes? I did. I have a couple. So I have falling in love with your best friend. I think yes, is a popular yes. one, kind of a surface level one. And then um, ugly woman with hot woman, but the ugly woman is still ultimately pretty hot. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I think it's a big. I would say movie trope in general, horror rom com, whatever. You always have two friends where one is like less hot but still hot. Um, yes. Also, yeah. uh, where the main person has an obsession with a famous person and the best friend who is in love with them isn't impressed. 
impressed by the famous person. <laughs> the first thing that comes to my mind is like win a date with Tad Hamilton. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh... Um, but I feel like I've also seen it in other movies where like Jennifer is so obsessed with this band and media is just like, they suck, leave them alone. Um, yeah. And then my Always be maybe. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and then my final one is um, like an update of where we are now from the credits. Like things still <laughs> kind of happening in the credits. So like we see Needy like murders the band and then like goes off. Yeah. So those that's are the bigger I think Those are fantastic. Yeah, I definitely feel like we do get that in rom-coms, the update in the credits. I feel like that happens and maybe can't hardly wait. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a few. I think that, yeah. And it's usually like... A, like a picture montage where it's like, oh, look at all these pictures of where we are now. But, you know, in this case, yeah, it was like, like it was really cute scene. With I also thought of just a general horror trope as like the absent parent. Like nobody has parents around. <gasps> um, we see yes. Chip's mom at one point, And then we also, like I said, see Amy Sedaris at one point, but she's also gone pretty much. And then we only see Jennifer's mom once she's been murdered. Yeah. And it is like, I feel like that is a trope, especially when it's like, it's like they're, it's like they're, they can't help the kids in a way where it's like the mom is like working all the time. So she can't be there. Jennifer's mom is like dating the ham guy, you know? So it sort of seems like she's like not paying attention. And then Chip's mom, when there is a murderer killing boys, gives him mace and lets him walk alone to the dance, which is like, you don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So 16 horror rom-com that I feel like a lot of you might be saying now, guys, this isn't a rom-com. What are you doing? Hey, we still had 16 tropes. So I'd say say it kind of counts. And I think this is a rom-com. I think this movie is very funny. I think there is a lot of romance in many different directions. I just think there's also murder. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Which is exactly what we wanted out of this month. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, you can love and also have murder. Yeah. (laughs) There's room for it all. Yeah. There's room for it all as proven here in Jennifer's body. You guys, I think this is the perfect time to rate this horror rom-com. Well, we here at PSI Love Rom-Coms have an ever-changing list of top five rom-coms. The list started off with the top five highest grossing rom-coms. But over the last couple of months, as we've watched more and more films, we have voted in and voted off many a rom-com. And as of now, our top five rom-coms are Notting Hill, When Harry Met Sally, Love and Basketball, Dirty Dancing, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So now if we so choose today, we can put Jennifer's body on that list. But we all have to unanimously agree to vote off one of those other top five to replace it with. So what do we think? Does Jennifer's body deserve a spot on the top five list? And if so, who should it knock off? I mean, I think yes, but I'm biased because I mm-hmm. like horror. So I feel like I have to wait and see what you two say until I can until I I can then persuade you. I fucking love this movie. I don't think it should go on the top five rom-coms list because I think in terms of the genre, I think it is stronger as a horror comedy than a rom-com. So I think it, I think if it were to go up against any of these individually, I don't think it would beat them. But I do like if I had to do a list of like top five horror comedies, Jennifer's Body would definitely be on it. I think, I mean, I love this movie. It's so, so good. And I, I mean, we didn't talk about the comedy um, as much because there's, there's just like so many layers to this movie. And it's also just like, has some really great social commentary to it as well. Um, But it was so, so funny. I think it's not, it's not quite romantic enough to be on the top five list. I feel like if you know, Jennifer and Needy somehow were able to like, even if one of them, you know, even if Needy still had to kill Jennifer, I wish it had ended on a little bit more of a positive note. Um, just because that's what we look for in like a typical 
rom-com um and also you know i'm just i i just wanted them to end up together um and so um i'm such a softy um so <laughs> i feel like no it does it's not romantic enough they don't it's not a happily the ending doesn't have um i mean there's the ending is satisfying um and that needy does go and kill uh low shoulder the the indie band, but it's not satisfying enough and not um, to put it as a, as a romantic comedy. Um, that being said, Oh, for sure. It's number one on our horror rom-com list. Um, Thank God. For yes, sure. Which is, um, which is saying a lot, which is saying a lot because so I married Axe murder is like one of my favorite movies of all time, but I, <laughs> wow. I would agree. I would agree. I did everybody. I'm more excited about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll say Jennifer's body was the closest of any of the horror rom-coms that we watched to getting on, I think the, um, uh, the rom-com top five list. Um, but you know, me and I are easily swayed. We've been swayed before. Um, yeah, so it could happen again. It okay, could happen it again. Happen. Jordan, Let me make please. my pitch. Let me make my pitch. So my thoughts are, if we're looking at a top five list of rom-coms, do you want all five of those rom-coms to be exactly the same in tone, in outcome, <laughs> in acting style? No. I'm going to say no. I think I'm going to say <laughs> you want a varied and diverse list of top five. And the thing with Jennifer's Body is that our biggest complaints about it not being a rom-com is that it's not romantic enough. And it's not... Um, the ending isn't satisfying enough. But what I will say... Being a queer teen is ultimately deeply spooky. Um, <laughs> from experience, it's very confusing. It's very scary. And I think this really speaks to the truth of that. I think it honors that. And yeah. I think also the ending is bad. And I think that <laughs> is good. I think there's no happiness in the end. And like that, it, does that take away from it being romantic or funny? No. And I think the most romantic thing I've ever seen is at the beginning of the movie when Megan Fox is joking with Amanda Seyfried and then she pushes her really hard into that wall. <laughs> so that's my pitch point. I understand if y'all need to sleep on it, but that's my pitch. That was a solid pitch. That was a solid pitch. Listen, I love this okay, movie. Matt. It's a solid pitch. And I, I fully agree with you because I think it, it's, it captures the queer experience too and the spookiness of it, of being like, they have feelings for each other. And you, and you see like the classmate in the beginning, um, like shame needy for it. Mm-hmm, and yeah. like, you can sense the anxiety and the pressure um, of rejection that is around that, at that age, at that time. I don't know. I feel like it's, while I agree, and I really love this movie, I, I don't think it's rom-commy enough to make it on this list. I feel like this is like pushes forward, like horror comedy in a really great way. And so yeah. I'm like, I would definitely put it on number one of the horror rom-coms though. I agree. I think, I just think that like, um, I just, I think for it to be a, a romantic comedy, they, there had to be a little bit more closure to the relationship. Um, I think though, it probably made it a better movie that they didn't have that closure. Um, mm-hmm. And that that is more realistic to real life. But you know, a lot of rom-coms aren't realistic to real life and that's why we love them. Um, and so I would say, um, while I think the ending of Jennifer's body made it 
a, a better movie and served its message really well. Um, it didn't serve it as, um, as a rom-com. Okay. So I'm going to say wonderful pitch, great movie pick. Um, and I'm putting it on number one for, uh, our best yes. rom-com. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> Okay, well, now that we have that, that is the sort of the most heartbreaking segment we have. And it's always intense. And I hope we're all still friends. And now I think it's time (laughs) for our final segment called Reality Check. And in this segment, we test out the tropes and plot devices in the rom-coms we've just watched and see if they hold up in the real world. In Jennifer's body, we see the teen rom-com trope of surprise, there's a popular live band at your prom. We've seen this uh, trope in other rom-coms, including 10 Things I Hate About You, Drive Me Crazy, and Xenon. But does this happen in real life? Have any of us had cool live bands at our proms or just cool proms in general? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had a pretty lame prom. (laughs) Yeah, I went to three different proms and they were all stupid. (gasps) Not to brag, but I did go to three proms. Oh my gosh, humble brag. That's incredible. Whoa! Thank you. <laughs> I and I do not. I do not mean to one up at all, and that's not my intention. I was. I also was going to humble brag and say that I went to four, four years of prom, and wow. none of them had a what? or were. Cold. I know. I know. Oh but it was. When I went with like, fr- freshman sophomore. I went with my friends' brothers. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't like allowed to go. I wasn't allowed to date up. But um, but then um, both years it was my friends' brothers, and my parents couldn't justify <laughs> being like telling their families no. But no, they were all fine. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, yeah what were what were the three you went to like they were all stupid i went <laughs> with someone that i like i guess had a crush on my on again <sighs> off again high school boyfriend and then my own with my same on again off again high school boyfriend and he was mean to me at both his and mine. And then the one that I went to with my uh, a person I had a crush on was like absolutely just okay. I was like most excited to have a free plated meal, which in fact like wasn't free because prom costs like $150 or whatever it is, which <laughs> I didn't realize until I was paying for my own prom that it cost money. I was like, oh, I thought the government paid for this. Like, I don't know what I thought happened. <laughs> um, but I was like, prom's not free? That's crazy. But yeah, I was excited to have like a plated meal. I just like danced to a DJ. Nothing about it was like good or exciting. I wasn't a virgin, so I didn't lose my virginity or anything cool. It was boring. (laughs) I only had, I only went to one prom. I was not asked to prom. So I had to ask somebody to go with me. Um, And I just asked my friend, um, Michael, to go with me. And here's a good description of Michael. Very, very wonderful um, uh, fellow theater kid. We often got, they double cast all the plays in our school and we looked really similar. We were both very like small, petite people with like short blonde hair. And so um, we got double cast in multiple plays, um, usually me playing a boy part. Um, And uh, yeah, we just, it was just in a hotel. It was just at a hotel with the DJ and um it was boring, but I think I'd rather uh, have a boring prom than a bad prom. So I took boring and it was fine. What about you, Mia? Yeah, no, I don't. I didn't like proms. You know, I did have fun. We we had more, which was backwards prom in the winter. I always had fun at more. I always had fun at girls get the girls ask people prom. 
whatever. Wait, I had more fun at that called, one. It was called Morp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally the word prom backwards. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, oh my God. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And so I had more fun at Morp. My school was like, you get one dance, that's it. Shut up. <laughs> Anyone asks anyone, it doesn't matter. We don't care. <laughs> were were your proms in high school gyms, Jordan? Or were they in like hotels or where were they located? So I went to a couple. I went to one when I lived in Miami, which was at like, I think like a convention center type thing. Mm-hmm. And then the two that I went to once I moved to California, my junior year of high school, were both at the Ronald Reagan Library. Whoa! Wait, that sounds cool. It actually was pretty cool. There's like a big airplane inside. It's a nice yeah. It's like up in the hills. Um, it's, yeah, it wasn't like, I, I don't think I've ever... I don't know if I've ever been to a dance in a gym. I think I also went to very, very large high schools. So I don't Same. think my gym at either school could have facilitated the entirety of my senior class plus guests plus a DJ plus, you know, whatever. Yeah. Did you ever like during prom get bored and then read some books? No, thank you for asking. Because <laughs> that, that would be like, that'd be so great. Because like if, if things weren't going well, you'd be like, excuse me one second. And then just like, Catch up on some reading. Oh, I um, see. Well, this was the sad thing. We were sadly near no books whatsoever. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I guess my, regular were libraries, like, like, I don't know, in different sections. Okay. I don't know. I honestly didn't think about it until you brought it up just now. I was imagining you like dancing among the book stacks and I was yeah. like, oh, so fun. I love that. <laughs> no, I wish. It was still just a big empty space. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah. No, that wasn't me doing a dig like, oh, did you bring a book to read at prom? You gay nerd. <laughs> Tell us about your proms. How were how your your four proms <laughs> okay <laughs> here's what i'll say okay freshman and junior prom were at the same place which was the crystal ballroom in portland which is like sick like it's Ooh. really cool yeah. and it's it's not even like a ballroom it's like a place that they like where you like would go see like indie concerts and stuff and it was oh, just wow. like a really like so it was just like a very chic and cool hit place to be so i liked that did you have djs or live bands i've never Always ever heard of a live band being at a prom we've never had a live band and here's my thoughts on prom is that we don't have live bands because our culture has robbed us of a dancing culture in that mm-hmm. we don't have any form of like social dancing that we all like agree to so the only thing teenagers can do is grind again i don't know teenagers i hope I hope you're well. I hope you're better. Um, so for me, for me, the goal of high school dances was always to like get drunk and treat it like a club. I don't know. That's, that's, that's my thing. No, no fun bands because I don't think anyone could like dance to a band because people are awkward and, and just wanted to grind and stuff. But um, prom, prom's fine. Prom's fine. I had fun dressing up. Jordan? <laughs> yes. I also think that they stopped having bands if, because every movie has led me to believe that the band then has sex with the students at the prom. <laughs> and I feel like high schools are like, we can't risk it. <laughs> I wonder now if proms after after um, we get through COVID and quarantine, I wonder, I'm imagining that now proms, all of the high school students because they've spent so much time on TikTok, will be able to do incredibly choreographed dances. Yes. Oh my God, please. To all of the songs, because that, that's what they've been doing. And so I just imagine that there's a lot of like 
little cool hand movement choreo going on in future crafts. Yeah. That's what I hope for. I think it'll be like when I was in high school and we all did the Soldier Boy. <gasps> yeah, you know, like that kind of yes. thing. But like for every song, yeah, you know, every song exactly. Yeah, so I feel like reality doesn't check out as of um, our past, which is promise boring and awkward but we have hope for future future generations having very fun proms um so Mm -hmm. fingers crossed for them good luck to you good luck to you (laughs) um and yeah that's our podcast thank you so much for joining us today jordan thank you so much for having me do you have any social media things to promote or important romance advice for our listeners you can always follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, all under the same handle. It's at J-O-R-D-A-N-M-Y-R-1-C-K. So it's my name with a one instead of an I in my last name. And watch my Top Chef talk show called Talk Chef. We raise money for charity every single week, and it's really fun. And in terms of dating, don't do it. Just be alone until you die. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, you all. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to subscribe and rate um, and find us on Apple Podcasts. And we are brought to you by the wonderful people at Campfire Media. And P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Imagine a podcast. Now, imagine a musical. Now, imagine the two of them made one million babies. Well, you don't have to imagine it, because it's real, and it has a name. One Million Musicals. Each month, we bring you a brand new, original podcast musical featuring talent from across Broadway, films, and TV. You'll hear tales of spooky ghosts, Wild West shootouts, adventures on the high seas, and much, much more. One million musicals. Only a few hundred thousand to go. A Campfire Media Podcast. Campfire.